Weekly for week eight of the 2021 season. We are back on the air. It's a Monday night, but we're back on the air talking all things Charlotte 49er baseball. As always, this is Nick. Of course, I'm joined by Kevin. What's up, Niner Nation? Coach Woody. Hey, everybody. And producer Brad. Hey, hey. All right. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We had to do it a little bit different night tonight with travel schedules and everything. But, hey, Monday night's as good a time to talk Charlotte 49er baseball as any night. If you're listening live on YouTube, uh, feel free to chime in in the chat function. Producer Brad's going to keep an eye on that for us. Uh, let us know uh, where you're at, where you're listening from out there in Niner Nation tonight. Uh, that's uh, fun. Uh, if you let, have a question or comment, pass that along to us as well. Uh, we also do shout outs if you want to do that. So we're we're pretty much open for almost anything. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter. Uh, let us know you're out there listening and we'd love to hear from you. So, all right. How we doing, fellas? How's everybody? All good. All good. You guys have a good weekend? Kevin, I know you. Uh, yeah, I think everybody had. I, if, if you're listening to this show, you probably had a good weekend. Let's just be honest, right? I mean, we're, we're going to talk about that. Kevin, uh, let's let's get a little informal business out of the way here, Kevin. I know you were coaching a couple of, of baseball games on Saturday in Little League. How, can you, you have anything to report to us about that? Well, um, I have to report that the games were postponed because of lack of players due to spring break. So, uh, so we had to postpone um, postpone the games. Uh, so I'm off all week. Actually, they canceled the practices this week. So um, focus on the show now. Well, at least at least it wasn't a COVID cancellation. It was a spring break cancellation. I mean, that's people are out having a good time. So, coach, we know we know okay. your players. you went undefeated on the week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you when we get some games under your belt, Kevin, you'll have to you'll have to keep us updated on what's going on um, and let us know how the season's progressing. But we got some real baseball to talk about the games that actually played on the field this weekend instead of ones that were postponed. Um, in case you've been under a rock somewhere, which I doubt you have, the Niners swept FAU in four games at the Hayes this weekend. Um Huge, huge series. This is uh, this is a series that that we kind of had circled uh, early on in the season. A lot of people had FAU uh, picked to to be maybe the favorite in the East half of Conference USA, and the Niners came in here went the Hayes this weekend and took care of business all weekend long. Coach, yeah, no, I mean, I just couldn't be more proud of our players and coaching staff and 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 support staff just because, uh, I mean, we all know, we all know how great of a program FAU has and has had over the years. And um, coach McCormick is one of the best, one of the best coaches in our industry. And, um, you know, we, we have a ton of respect for those guys and we, you know, they've got, they've got a number of, you know, number of future major league hitters in that lineup that we faced, um, you know, so our, our fan base, our families and players, you know, we obviously, you know, we saw how talented some of those guys were, but, you know, to our guys credit, I mean, golly, they, um, you know, what a fun dugout that was to, that, that was to be in for, for four games this weekend. It was, I told our team that's about as much fun as I've ever had coaching in one weekend. I mean, you know, especially, you know, to, to have two walk-offs on Saturday, 
um, in that fashion. Um, it just took everybody and it was a lot of different styles. You know, we needed, we needed some big punch outs. We needed some double play balls. We needed some timely hitting. We needed some, you know, we, we had some home run balls. We had some situational hitting. We had, you know, it took a little bit of, we had some really clutch stolen bases with some pinch runners. So it took a little bit of everything uh, to just find a way to get it done. And, and to our players credit, uh, they did that. So just so proud of them. Coach, have you ever been a part of two walk-offs in the same weekend, much less the same day? You know, I was thinking about that. I think, I actually think in 2000 and maybe 18 or 19, I want to say we played, we played Boston College in a doubleheader, and I think we walked them off both games that day. I'll have to go back and look. Um, but, yeah, I mean – Maybe once, if ever. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty rare. Pretty rare. Um, beyond, and we're going to talk about some of those individual performances and, and, and dive a little deeper into the games, but um, something in addition to the results and, and the way the guys played was, uh, if you're paying attention there, we're starting to get a little healthy, Coach, because there's some guys that, that made some appearances that, um, that maybe have been missing for a while. Yep. Um, yeah, no, it was great seeing some – you know, some guys, and we talked, we touched on it last week in the podcast that, you know, with the needles moving closer, thankfully to healthy than, uh, than not healthy, uh, knock on wood. But, um, yeah, so it was great seeing, seeing Don back in the mix and then getting, getting McKay back in the mix, um, as well, along with, with getting Woody back, uh, you know, and so, and amongst others. So it was, you know, it, it was certainly great to, to see that. And, um, you know, it, it makes them for a lot of, you know, challenging conversations with our coaching staff about, you know, well, this guy can do this well, and this guy can do this well, and this guy can do this well. Yeah. But this guy does this, right. Like, you know, there's a lot of conversations we're having as a coaching staff right now, and that's a good thing, you know, and, and there's, um, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a credit to our players and we're always looking for ways to, you know, try to get guys in there and, and they're making it tough on us. And, you know, so getting, you know, getting these guys back is, is all positive. And especially since they're, you know, all three, you know, all those guys are, you know, they're such great leaders as well. You know, their presence is felt, you know, just them having them, you know, back in the batter's box on the bases or on the field. Yeah. And Kevin, I know you were all over this this morning. When, when you have, this is, this is just going to be part of what we, we, we need to get used to is when, when you have a big weekend the way we did, um, people start to take notice. And D1 baseball in particular has been, um, well, I would say going back to the fall, they've really been paying attention to our program and, and looking at some of the guys we have. But um, as far as um, top performers, uh, D1 baseball honor roll, the, the dean's list, as they call it, we, we, were, we were well represented there, Kevin. Yeah, I believe this morning they came out with the honor roll. Um, I think there were seven or eight teams that uh, they deemed worthy of the honor roll this week, and Niners were up there with with, with quite a few good teams after the, the big uh, four-game sweep we put together. Um, I know during the weekend we had a couple of uh, top performers of the week or top performers of the night. Uh, they usually uh, list the top 30 pitchers and top 30 um, hitters from the night. I think Austin Knight was on there one night. Um Easting was on there one day, and Carson Johnson was on there one day. So definitely well represented, and uh, it's good to see a lot of publicity for the program. Yeah, yeah, huge. Um, 
And really, I mean, that's just a function of when you're playing good baseball. I mean, you're going to get you're going to get on radars. It starts it starts in the fall with with people get, hearing about the talent you have, and then more people you know start to pay attention. But then when the when the potential starts to turn into results on the field, that's the way this is going to work. So you know, coach, how much? I know we certain things we talk about are more like fan focused. Like when we start talking about, you know, uh, tournament projection brackets and RPIs and all that kind of stuff. But from a coaching perspective, when with you guys are, how cognizant are you of, of these various like national recognitions that, that you as a team and, and the guys or individuals are, are garnering when you have a weekend like that? Um, you know, I think, I think, I think it's, I think it's a good thing to, you know, enjoy it for a moment, right? Like just enjoy it for like a brief moment, like appreciate, you know, I, th- I think it's important. You know, a lot of people say, Oh no, it's noise. And we block that out. And, you know, I, I think there's some truth to that, but I also think, especially coming off of last year, I just, and, I, and I've said it amongst other things. I think it's important for us all right now to um, when positive things happen, like, like enjoy them, like enjoy the positive things, enjoy, enjoy, you know, the, the players need to have, you know, not too much and not for too long, but, you know, appreciate, appreciate the recognition that, you know, these guys, you know, these players are receiving, they deserve it. They've worked, they've, they've worked hard for it. Um, they've overcome a lot for it. You know, we're getting, you know, we're getting swabs up our noses twice a week so that we can, so that we can, I mean, I hate to use that language, but you know, there's just, yeah. there's a lot of things behind the scenes that, yeah. that our players are going through to, to, you know, to be able to play and to be able to perform. And so, yeah, I, th- I think there's a little bit of, I think there's some, some short, you know, really, you know, moments of, of recognizing like Dan, it's pretty cool that, you know, Carson Johnson's mentioned among national players of the week. And that's pretty cool that Austin Knight is, is doing, you know, I mean, we all see it, right. Like, you know, it's pretty cool that he's listed amongst, you know, the top of, um, you know, top hitters in the country and, and, and amongst others, um, you know, but at the end of the day, as a program, we definitely have a sense of, of tunnel vision and we definitely have a sense of, you know, um, you know, staying in the windshield and versus the rear view mirror. And that's because that's what it's all about. I mean, if we, if we do, if we take care of our business and we play our game, um, you know, and, we're not going to make the NCAA tournament because everybody else loses. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Like you're like, we, so it doesn't, it doesn't do any good to like sit there and watch, you know, well, well this, this team won this series and this team won that series. Like that doesn't do any good. Like we're going to have to go do it. You know, just like Casey Bargo, you know, he wasn't going to get a call strike looking there at the end of the game. He had to go do it. He had to get, he had to get that guy out. And I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out, you know, on a strike zone or anything like that. It just, that's the way the game works. Like anything you want in baseball, you've got to take it. You can't, it doesn't, you can't dribble the ball at half court and, and wait for the time to expire. You have to go get it. And, you know, that's, those are things that we talk about all the time in practice and in the, in, in the weight room and in the indoor and in the dugout when the game's going on, you know, and we, we've, you know, you have some things that don't go your way, like, got to, like, what are we going to do? Com- you know, complain about it or so we, we, you know, that's kind of, as a program, that's kind of 
things that we, we as coaches, we try to talk about pretty continuously is, is, you know, going after it, taking it, going to get it versus, you know, nothing, nothing that we want to accomplish is going to be handed to us because other people, you know, give it to us or, or, right. they, or they, you know. Right. Well, let's dig in um, and, and talk a, a little bit about uh, some of these, these performances game by game. And we'll start game one on Friday. Um, probably appropriate to start with the, uh, with the discussion of um, Bryce McGowan's outing. I remember thinking at the time, um, you know, this is not of what we've seen from Bryce, statistically speaking, just a stat line. This is not one of uh, probably not going to be one of his favorite stat lines, but it was a gritty performance coach. I mean, he ate up six innings and he absolutely did what he needed to do to keep us in that game. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Greg Maddox said a long time ago, out of five stars, probably one time you're going to feel, you know, like everything's working and one time you're going to feel like nothing's really like clicking for you and you're going to have to battle. And then the three times you're going to feel just a, like pretty good and kind of in the middle. So, um, you know, I think Bryce was probably somewhere in, along the lines of like lower end of like the middle to even like maybe, you know, the one out of five outings where he just, you know, just didn't really feel like, you know, things was firing on all cylinders. Um, but to your point, I mean, that's what the great ones do is they find ways. And, um, you know, Bryce is such a winner and he's, he's such a competitor and um, he's, you know, he's got such a, he's got such a great, you know, mature approach to pitching now whenever he gets in traffic that, um, you know, he does, he did what was necessary, like he said, to give us the chance to win. And, you know, ultimately that's, that's what the great starters do. Yeah. And, uh, as, as been there all the year long, the defense defense, um, uh, was there again on Friday. I think they, uh, helped Miguel went out and had, he got two, uh, double plays to end the inning, uh, late in the game. I think it was maybe sixth or seventh inning. Um, defense is still playing stellar. And, uh, I think we're still leading the league in, uh, fielding percentage. And I think we're, top four in the country and fielding percentage still. So the defense is still there and then the pitching is there and uh, it, it, the offense came around and we, it uh, equaled out to a victory on Friday. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you know, just, I mean, you know, so for, you know, for Bryce to give us six, give us six innings and, um, you know, I know it's five runs, but uh, I mean, again, look, that's a really good, that's a really good FAU lineup. Um, Those guys can hit. They've got, they've got multiple big leaguers in that lineup. And, um, you know, like I said, Bryce, you know, he's not going to have, he's not going to have his best stuff each other. You know? So he, he battled, he fought, you know, the golly Jackson boss, here we go. Like he comes in the game and puts the clamps on it. And I was about to ask you where on the Maddox scale was Jackson boss on Friday night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, that was, you know, he's, he might have more than one out of five, you know, I, I mean, he's, um, it's, you know, he was, he was lights out uh, on Friday. Um, you know, I hate that he threw 42 pitches. You could see some fatigue there on Sunday. And that's, unfortunately, that's part of what's coming now with the four game series, but uh, he takes incredibly good, good care of himself and, and works hard to, to, to recover well and, and be in shape, um, you know, but you could definitely see his stuff was crisp Friday and, and we don't win that, you know, we don't win that game. Um you know, as decidedly nine five as you know, if he doesn't come in and put those clamps on it, on on game one, for sure. For sure. Yeah. 
offensively on Friday, um, several several uh, folks stick out. You kind of got to start with Austin Knight. Um, you know, with 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 the performance he puts down, a couple doubles, home run, drives in four runs. Um, the, the, I got a text during that game uh, from from someone who was watching at home, and and it just said, "Night is special." And I wrote it back. I said, "Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, yeah." It's it's funny. Like I'll be, uh, you know, I stand next to Coach Pick a lot in the dugout, and um, you know, Austin do something. He does something at least once a game, and I'll just, you know, I'll look over at, at Coach Pick and I'll just say. Man, I'm glad Austin Knight's on our team. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, and I say that a lot about a lot of our players. You know, I wish if I was mic'd up, you'd probably hear me say that, you know, about five players a game. You know, I mean, but but Austin does it almost every game, you know, where it's like, man, I'm glad Austin Knight's on our team. Um, you know, he just uh he does it all. You know, he does it all. And as soon as and it's like, um, it doesn't matter if, you know, if he's had a couple of the bats where he hasn't looked like himself, or it doesn't matter if um you know, we're facing a really, really good pitcher who's been dealing like he is capable of, you know, inserting himself into the game and 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 changing it. He has that ability. Yeah. Now, Kevin, Kevin stays on top of this. The East, Kevin's sort of in charge of the uh, the, the doubles record watch. Bo Robinson sitting on 32, uh, 32 doubles and Austin now at 17 uh, after those two. On Friday night, how how intense is the trolling getting between between Austin and Bo? You know that'd be a great you know that'd be a great um, Q and A. Be a great you know we should have we should have Austin and B Rob on one night and just um, I'll take a night off and just let 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 I'm sure there's plenty I'm sure there's plenty of back and forth. Um, so and uh, just have a show where we talk about hitting doubles. Yep. Yep. Those would be, those would be yeah. two good ones to, those, those would be two good, two good hosts of that show for sure. We'll call it a, we'll call that episode doubles and dingers. Yep. It'll be fun. See, we're coming up with content for you right here on the fly. Um, I will say, and, and some other guys, Jake had a, had a, a key hit. Uh, Carson did well. Um, Butch drove in three runs in that game. So, and all weekend long offensively, uh, the, the theme was is so many guys did so many things. Um, every time you looked up, and, and we're going to talk about Carson's big day on Saturday, but um, it seems like every time Carson was driving a run and he was driving in Todd Elwood because um, Todd, Todd just stayed on base uh, on Saturday, and, and he was out there for Carson to drive in a lot, or it seemed like every time Carson drove in a run, it was Todd. Um, you know, it was just, it was just such a, a huge top-to-bottom effort uh, all weekend long, but, but that, that theme started Friday. I will say this, and, and I'll let, I'll let Kevin chime in here, uh, on this, that, that we started, I think it's important for Niner Nation to know this. And we tweeted about this. We started a new tradition on Friday. So <laughs> Kevin knows where I'm going with this. The hotel and event center on campus opened like last week. Okay. For those of you who don't know and haven't seen this yet, the university built a Marriott hotel on campus. It's over there on the 29 side, walking distance from the baseball stadium. So uh, in, in between the haze and the light rail stop, that's where it is, okay, over there on Highway 29. And they have in there, they have something called the Golden Owl Cafe, I think. Cafe? Not Tavern, Cafe. I don't know. 
it's called the Golden Owl. Anyway, it's a ta- Golden Owl Tavern. Okay. Um, full bar, full restaurant, everything from a steak to a brick oven pizza, all kind of stuff. Big hotel, the whole deal. It's going to be huge on game days. Anyway, we said, we just made this plan before the game even kicked off, Coach. For, for first pitch, we made a plan. We said, we're going to win this game, and then we're going to go over to, to the Golden Owl Tavern for a post-game celebration. That's what we're going to do. You guys held up your end, and then we held up our end. We said we were going to do oh. it, and we did it. Yeah, we oh, did it. Oh, Bill Belichick, just like, you know, he says it. Do your job. You guys did your job. And, and we did it. We did our job. So, um, I'll you know, Kevin, I think that's going to be a spot, don't you? Yeah, we, we, we're pretty good at doing stuff like that. We're, so we did our job for sure. Um, a little history behind that name, the Golden Owl. Uh, back when our school was founded, uh, back in 46, our first original mascot was the Owls. So because it was a night school at the time, and so we were called the Owls, the CCUNCs. Owls, mm-hmm. so that's that's pretty cool. They tied that into the to the restaurant on campus, but yeah, it was a uh, really nice. I mean, everywhere walk, we walked in that place it was uh, it's all brand new. Looks really nice. Lots of convention center area, lots of open space, bar, restaurant. Uh, they even have an outdoor pool. So um, I was eyeballing that for the, the warmer weather celebrations. Yeah, apparently, it sounds like you need to take your whole team there bunch of spring breakers <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that's gonna be that's gonna that's a great asset for our campus and you know i, I think we've kind of been missing like a there like a gathering place um near all on campus and and that seems like maybe that's gonna be maybe that'll develop into being it because i mean we go over there and we saw people that had been at the game i mean heck we sat down and and we started talking to a dodger scout that was staying at the hotel and and have been at the game and start talking to him and you know I mean it's just community yep. baseball's community right and so there we were on campus checking out a new place and there were people coming in that had also been at the game and it was just just cool so anyway we're giving them free advertising but I guess we give everybody free advertising Kevin because that's just that's this kind of show but for all those of you listening out there next time you're on campus if you get a chance to check that out go do it because Kevin and I did and. and we we were we were like yeah we gotta do this again so it's there go check out the hotel it's it's worth seeing I haven't been in there I'm excited to go see it hey yeah I mean that would be be a good place for you guys to go grab a bite or something I think they open it at four o'clock most days so you know one of those one of those nights when you need to need a dining option there in, you know, you know, close to the haze you need to get some check it out. get some baseball gear maybe get a jersey up in there. They do have, they don't have that, but they do have some things in there. Uh, every room, all the conference rooms or the green room, the gold room, the, they, they, it's all that kind of stuff. So like in like a Norman iron room, you, you have to go check it out. And yeah, maybe they do need a, like a frame baseball jersey or something like that. Yeah, we, need, we need to get the gold now hooked up. Yeah. Get them hooked up. So cool stuff. All right. After that little, and that was fun. That was just worth talking about because, well, we did it and we loved it and we're going to do it again. So <laughs> let's transition over to the doubleheader on Saturday. Long day of baseball. I mean, I know it's two seven-inning games, Coach, but, I mean, uh, the, you start off game one going going an extra inning, so you end up playing playing even more than you planned to. But that, dude, that, that doubleheader on Saturday, that's, that's a long day. 
Yeah, no, it is. Um, it's kind of, it, it feels like two sprints. Um, you know, it, it's, as we all know, the eighth and the ninth inning, they usually take a little bit longer. Um, so it feels like, it feels like in a sense, it's kind of like, um, you know, instead of a, instead of like a two mile run, nine inning game, it feels like you got like two mile, two like mile run sprints in one day, um, in a sense. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they started a really, they started a really talented freshman, Visconti, um, good arm, and they brought in some really good bullpen arms behind them. Um, that kind of slowed, uh, that, you know, really slowed us down. But I thought our guys had a great approach against that, against Visconti. And, um, you know, I mean, geez, you know, Carson, Carson looked really comfortable down there and, and, and at the bottom of the order game one. So, um, we figured against the righty, we'll, we'll, take our chances trying to get you know, get somebody on base there in front of because Austin and Gino, they, they did what they have been doing the last few weeks, uh, game one. So we just tried to, we tried to get some, you know, get, get Carson up there in the leadoff spot because we felt like, you know, he gave us a really good chance to get on base. Didn't know he would go five for five with four RBIs there in the leadoff spot. Um, that was pretty special. And, you know, it's hard in, you know, five hits in a game that doesn't happen too often, um, you know, and, and um, including the game. And will and and then um, you know and then and then butcher going three for three with an RBI in, in the four hole. Um, you know I think I think you know, B Rob said it best. He's like that's what four hole hitters do. You know and they you know he and he and butcher going back and forth and uh, and that sort of thing. So that was that was great to see Butch. You know Butch doing um, doing good things. And then and then Woody gets in there right. Like Woody gets in there. Um, you know we just felt like we felt like after watching Visconti one time through the order as a coaching staff, we're just like, man, we're like, we, we think, we think Woody, Woody can really, you know, get to this guy. And um, not that, not that we didn't feel like they couldn't, but it's just like, we felt, we felt like, you know, Woody could really, could really give us, give us a, um, some great at bats. And, uh, and sure enough, there you go. He steps in there and goes two for three with, with an RBI and with a spark plug and a catalyst and, um, you know, it was pretty, it was pretty vintage Todd Elwood. Um, once he got in there and, and the rest of the series, I mean, it was a huge part of our success. There was one play that, that I think of as, as like, like that's Todd Elwood is there was, he hit a ball down the third base line and, uh, and it bounced not too far in front of the plate, but as soon as the ball bounced, I knew he was safe. If, if the ball bounces on the infield, it, it, especially left side of the infield, if the ball bounces, you're probably not going to beat Todd Elwood. Yeah. And they didn't. <laughs> it was great. It was a great play. The ball, uh, the the uh, third baseman had played on a hop. He was ob- he clearly knew he was in trouble. He brushed the throw and was like, "Nope, you're not going to get him. No way." Yeah. You know, I mean, usually when Todd Elwood's at top speed. Uh, usually good things are happening. You know, he's usually beating something out or he's stretching it into two or he's stretching going first to third or he's scoring from second. Um, you know, it's he's he's one guy that is he's just different when he's running. You know, like he just you just you know like if you're if there's multi, if there's two or three guys in motion on the bases, like you're like, you know, Woody stands out um with with, with the way he moves. And uh, yeah, I mean he was just Spark plug and a catalyst. Gosh, he stole some big bait, big bases for us. Um, we had a, we had multiple, you know, big stolen bases. Um, but um, 
yeah, I mean, you know, and then on the pitching side, it was, it was, you know, again, Morosa's just, just battling, just really battling and um, um, pounding the strike zone and getting us into the sixth inning. And um, yeah, I know, I know CeeLo came in and, and um, it didn't, it didn't go, didn't go so great at the beginning, but if he, you know, if he's not as tough as he is, then we don't win that game. You know, I mean, he, he took that punch there and, and got us back in the dugout and then, um, you know, took that punch there in the sixth, you know, the five spot, but then we come back in the dugout and boom, we score a run and tie it right back up. And you could just feel it was like, all right, we like, we lost momentum, but we got it back. And, you know, he, he goes back out there and attacks and attacks and gets us back in the dugout again in the seventh. And then, um, goes back out there in the eighth, puts up a zero in the eighth, and there we go, walk it off in the in the bottom of the eighth. Um, so again, just gets back to um, you know we have to go, we have to take everything that's given to us. We can't, you know, we've got to earn it. And sometimes it's going to be hard, and sometimes it's not going to be pretty, and you know, sometimes we're going to, you know, it just. But you know, great teams find a way, and great players find a way, and. Um, you know, guys like Todd Elwood and Christian Lothus and Austin Roses and those guys, they just, they all found a way in that first game. It seems like, it seems like uh, there's a lot of similarity between the job that, uh, that, that Morosis did in, in that game, first game and, um, and McGowan start on Friday. They were both just gritty performances that kept us in striking distance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they both really, I think they both, um, have really grown up and, you know, they have a very mature approach. They understand that, yes, they, yes, that, you know, zeros are important and that's what they're, you know, um, that's what they're going after. But they also understand that, you know, um, a big part of their job is getting as deep into the game as possible and being efficient. Um, you know, so they, and they've, you know, we, we don't have the success we had the first two weekends uh, without them getting as deep in, in um because you know, what they do game one and game two, it allows us um, to be more flexible in the bullpen game three and game four. Um, you know, so it's, uh, you know, and, and, you know, on, on the flip side too, like um, they're going deeper than their counterparts, you know, like that's the other thing too is like, is yeah, we want them to go deeper. And we, yeah, we want them to, you know, they want to go deeper and they want to put up more, you know, but at the same time, like, the name of the game is, is, um, you know, score more than your opponent and, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, something that I always try to do as a starting pitcher for me, again, some guys, you know, some guys do this and some guys just don't, but I always, you know, as a home starting pitcher, you know, I always wanted to be the first, throw the first zero up and then watch my opponent starting pitcher pitch. And if he threw a zero up, then it became a game between me and him. Like, I'm, you know, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm going to trade, you know, do my best to trade punches. And, you know, if I give up a run, you know, I'm going to fight to go deeper in the game than him. Um, and it kind of became, it kind of became a game with when I was a pitcher and stuff. Other pitcher. And again, I don't know necessarily that Bryson and Austin do that, but they, they have that, that air about them right now that, um, you know, like this Conti, he went three and two thirds and Austin went five and a third. Um, you know, so ultimately that means that they're going to their bullpen in the fourth and we're going to the bullpen in the sixth. And that's going to pay off for us game two and game 
or game three and game four. Um, you know, so again, this those little things that add up. You know, their starter game one, he went three innings. You know, Bryce didn't have his best stuff and he went six. You know, so that's when it comes down to winning one run games, game two and game three and game four, you know, that that becomes the separator is that length and that depth. And um, so it's big. Yeah, it, it's like it's almost like with these four game weekends uh, it becomes a game of attrition with especially with the pitching, you know, um, you get you get good chunks up front, like you said, and then you're you're throwing out better arms down at the end of the at the end of the line. So, um, the, yeah, these these four game series are are a grind even just to watch. Uh, I can only imagine how you guys in the dugout are. But, uh, yeah, it's so especially with Saturday, such an up and down day and then Sunday, I mean, just another nail biter. Um, yeah, these four game series, I, I'll be I'll be glad when they're done next year. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's aging me a little bit. I don't know that much, um, but the uh, but I mean, just you know, I mean, Casey Bargo. I mean, geez, like he's been so good for us, and um, his stuff is so good. And we're bringing in a fresh Casey Bargo when the game's on the line, first and second, two outs. Um, you know, like we're because of the length that the other guys were able to give us. You know, versus you know maybe they're bringing in a pitcher for the second time you know, he's making a second appearance in the ninth inning and we've got a fresh Casey Bargo who's going to, you know, we need, you know, you know, we need that, uh, you know, that, that freshness on that two, two fastball to jam him up 94, you know, and if he's, if he's, you know, if he's on his second or his third inning or his second or third appearance, because we haven't gotten enough length and starter on the weekend, you know, that 94 might be 92 or might be 91. And that might be the difference between, flying out to second uh, in that appearance uh, on the 94 jam versus 92 or 91, you know, it might be a base hit. Um, so that freshness paid, paid off there for us there at the end. And, um, you know, I just, I want to acknowledge Casey because he's such a warrior and, and um, he's, he's had some really big appearances for us the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that, how you mentioned that pop the second. This, he, we're, we're on game four now. We'll step back to game three here in a second. But uh, in game four, uh, that game really uh, – the, the offense built a lead, and then we needed every bit of that lead because it became that war of attrition there at the end. Um, and they had they had the tie and run at, at second base. When that ball popped up and you knew it was going to second base, how big of, how big of an exhale <laughs> – did you did you let out because I did I was like oh god thank 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 you yeah just um, yeah uh, a pretty big one because you know everybody had worked so hard you know and everybody had worked so hard I mean you know even guys that were probably frustrated with you know with how um, you know like you know like Colton Shabinsky threw an inning and gave up a run but the three outs he got were huge. And, you know, Andrew Lindsay, four and two thirds, huge. Um, you know, I mean, Jackson boss, I mean, <laughs> I mean, geez, like probably the most million tough, biggest competitor on our, on our pitching staff um, and coming back on one day's rest. I mean, even though, I mean, the guys that those two guys that hit home runs off him, I mean, those guys are going to hit in the big leagues, you know, BJ Murray, Nolan Chanuel, those guys are going to be, those guys are going to be hitting in the big leagues one day. And, and um, 
you know, and Jackson Boss is one of the best relievers in the country. I mean, he's one of the, he's one of the best relievers in Congress in the USA, certainly. Um, you know, but the two outs he got for us, the two outs that he got before we went to Casey, those are huge. Those are huge. Uh, those are big outs. Um, you know, you can't you cannot put it put in. You know, really, you can't do justice. You know, if you sit there and you look at, you know, you know ERAs, ERAs, or any of that stuff, then you're not you're not you know you're not paying attention. Those are those are really really good hitters, and um, you know you're, you're pitching on one day rest, and you're you know it's just it's it's tough. But yeah, BJ Murray really stuck out. I mean, that watching him all weekend, that that guy can hit. Yeah, he's a phenomenal player. I mean, really good third baseman, switch hitter. Um, he, he's got a chance to play for a long time. Nolan Shanuel, um, you know, playing first base. That's a special. That's a special bat. Um, he's got a chance to hit for a really long time, and. Um, you know, we knew that coming in the series, that's, um, you know, again, but at the end of the day, it's all about finding ways to win. And, you know, um, I just, I, I thought our, I thought our pitching staff, I thought they were, I thought they were extremely tough this past weekend and, and not even, you know, not necessarily at our best, um, you know, and, and we, we, we've given up more free bases than, than we want to, um, but it's, it's correctable and, and our guys are working hard at it. And once we, you know, once we correct that, then, you know, there's more ceiling raises for us. Step back to game three for a moment, coach, and, and talk about the the job that, that the freshman Spencer Geesting did on the mound uh, in game three. Yeah. I mean, um, I, mean I think we, we think, we think Spencer, you know, we think Spencer is, we think he's one of the best left-handed pitchers in the country. Um, I really, I really believe that, um, you know, he, we were seeing him grow up, um, in front of our eyes. Um, he's, he's one of our best athletes and, um, you know, to come in there and give us three and two thirds and, and, uh, no hit, no run six punch out baseball against that lineup. Um, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. And, it's a huge reason. I mean, why we why we won, you know, five to four, and we're you know we're having a big part of that 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 I think you know I'll share is is um, our offense. Um, our our offense there enabled us and and you know to to stay with with Spencer there because. You know, you're sitting there, and Brooksy's just such a warrior and battling, getting us to the fourth inning. And then we go to Goose. We go to Goose there in the fourth. We're down four to one. Okay, so so Goose gets us out of that jam, gets us back in the dugout. And if we're down four to one um, with a two game lead in the series, you know, we're probably not going to send Goose back out there in the fifth. Our offense puts up a two spot there in the bottom of the fourth to make it um, four to three, and this is where the whole this is where it takes the full team together firing on all cylinders. Because if we don't if we don't score there, obviously we're still down four to one. Obviously the you know it's it's a it's a bigger uphill battle than four to three, um, you know. But we're we're you know we're probably going to go more like one inning, one inning, one inning with our bullpen there to try to save Spencer for, um, you know, for game four. 
um, because we, you know, we really, we think that we think that Spencer is one of our best pitchers and, and, you know, you hate to, um, not that, not that four to one's unsurmountable or anything like that. And, and, but, um, you know, it's just part of the strategy that comes into it, I guess. So as soon as our offense put up two runs there and answered back in the bottom of the four, four to three, you know, we like, you know, we're not that we're, you know, we're, we're sending goose back out there and, you know, goose throws up a, a, a zero in the top of the fifth. You know, you can just feel, you can just feel like our offense knows, like we got a guy on the mound that is going to give us a chance to win. And so you can just feel everything elevated. We come back in the bottom of the fifth and we don't score. And then we go, goose goes back out there in the top of the sixth. And it's the same thing. It's like our hitters see our, our hitters see him dealing and it's like, here we go. And we put up a run there in the bottom of the sixth to tie it up. He goes back out there in the bottom of the seventh deals again and you know everything just feeds off each other and you know you can feel you can feel that and you know golly it was Craig you know Craig Keichel there man that was so cool uh you know you couldn't have thrown that ball into a better spot since I had a, you know as soon as the ball went off the bat and I could I could see that the left fielder was was pinching the gap um you know I just it was you know, it's kind of like watching the ball in the air. It's kind of like just slow down time, enjoy the moment, watch your guys celebrate, you know, kind of moment. It was cool. It was a lot of fun. Craig was definitely a man at the end yeah. of that game. <laughs> um, you know, the thing about – and you're so right about the offense. So many guys contributed and did when when we needed it. Um, the, the funny thing, and I've watched a lot of games. Uh, we, we, we both have. Uh, watched a lot of games at the Hayes over the years. Um, the odd thing about that Saturday doubleheader, both both walk-offs, was I never really felt like they wouldn't happen. I mean, it was just a feeling like we're going to make a play. We're, we're, we're going to do this. Um, you know, down 4-1, you know, I, I mean, you're like, okay, we're going to find a way back into this. Um, needing a needing a walk off hit, we're going to find it. We're going to find that run. We're going to it's it's just going to go. It's it's a confidence. I mean, and and it's you could feel it in the stadium. You know, you could when when Geesting's pitching, he's he's kind of you can tell by his body language, he's feeling it. Yeah. Um, and, and and the whole team. I mean, it's just like that. It it just felt like it was going to happen, and then it did. Yeah, you can like you said, you can feel it. Uh, we can feel it. It's real. It's in the dugout. Um, it's all, it's all connected. You know, it it is pitching defense offense. Um, you know, it's all connected when, when, when one goes, the others go. Um, and you know, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the great things about our game and our team. And, um, you know, we continue, we continue to, to, to carry that, um, to bode well for us moving forward. Yeah. Go ahead, Coach. Uh, Coach, we had a uh, we had a kind of a milestone this weekend at the Hayes. Um, Gino Gruber, he stepped it up this weekend. Uh, I know we talked a little bit at, off the air uh, last week about his uh, amazing stat line, but uh, you want to talk about his milestone that he accomplished this weekend? Yeah, uh, you know, Gino drew his first collegiate walk. Um, it was a big, it was a big deal. 
uh, we, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm glad he knew what to do and where to go. I guess he'd seen others do it, um, <laughs> you know? So it was, uh, and it was, you know, and, and he finished with three on the weekend. It was like, it was like, Oh, this is, this is possible. Like I, like this is, you know, so just kind of, you know, you kind of just need that first walk and, and then it's like, okay, it's, you know, it, it feels good to get to first base and, uh, you know, a different way, you know, he certainly can hit his way to first base and second base and around the bases. We know that. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was special. You know, I think I'm, I'm, I think I lost some kind of a bet in the dugout. Cause I mean, you know, at, at this point it was like, well, we, you know, we were making little small bets on, you know, post game meals and, so I think I, I probably lost my dinner Saturday night on, on Gina's walk, but it was worth it. You know, it's great. You know, when he, when he, when he, when he swings the pitches in the zone, like he's, he's going to do damage. We all know that. And when Gino, when Gino starts walking and leaving pitches out of the zone, um, he's going to be scary. Good. He's going to be scary. Good. Yeah, for for those of you uh, listening, we were we, we we did as Kevin mentioned talk about this a little bit after the show last week when when Coach pointed out that I think Gino was over sixty five as far as plate appearances without a walk at that point. I think it got to what did it get to seventy seventy one seventy two plate appearances without a walk. It was seventy plus, um, and and it had become a, a thing within the team so much so that when Gino did walk, uh, I, I posted some video of it out there. There's, there was kind of like a Bronx cheer for Gino when, when he got, <laughs> when he got his first walk. Um, and, you know, I, I'll say, I mean, what I, I'll say, what I, exactly what I said to you last week, coach, uh, when you brought this up, if, if Gino's not supposed to bring, if, if Gino's not supposed to swing that bat, why do you give it to him to take up there? Right. So <laughs> Gino he's Groover's doing, here. He's to swing doing great. Bat. So he's doing great. <laughs> you're not hearing, you're not hearing no complaining. Just, if you don't want him swinging that bat, don't give him one. <laughs> and so, yep. You give him a bat, he's going to swing it. Yep. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, before we move on, I uh, do want to point out we, we said what a great weekend Carson had. Uh, one publication, uh, the college baseball newspaper, actually named Carson Johnson. Uh, National Player of the Week. So that's uh, among the praises that that we we uh, I don't think we specifically mentioned that one. So congrats to Carson on the the big weekend and the, and the recognition. Um, overall, coach, uh, as we we get ready to, to shift and start looking forward, um, you know, we talked after the ECU series about we played in three close games and every time they needed a pitch or a hit or play whatever it was they needed at that time, they got it. And that's, that's why, that's why they got three wins and we didn't get any because they, they made those key, they get in those key moments, they came through and, and got what they needed. That felt like that this weekend too, because we played four really competitive games, except every time we needed a play, every time we needed a pitch or a hit, it was there. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I mean, one of the intangible things like, you know, you can see, you know, the numbers will show a lot. Um, and, and some people will say the numbers don't lie. Um, I just, I've always thought that the numbers don't tell the whole story. You know, they don't, they, numbers don't lie in a sense, but numbers also don't tell the whole story. And, um, you, you know, to your point, the, the, the will to win, um, I think that there's, I'm a believer 
that um, you can't you can't always measure that. You can't measure it. Um, it's harder to find now in the recruiting environment that we have. Um, you know, you have to work that much harder to find it. Um, but this team, this club, I believe this, and I don't care. I don't care what happens, you know, this weekend or next weekend or the weekend after that, this team has a will to win. They have, it. and, you know, it might, it might, it might go hide for, you know, a little bit, but this team has it. They know what they, they, they have that will to win. You can't put a price on it. Um, you, you know, you can't quantify it. It's just there. And, you know, once, once, once you have it, you just want to bottle it up and, and keep it. And uh, for as long as you can, uh, because the will to win is a real thing. And there's really talented teams that don't have it. And there's real, there's, you know, um, but, you know, when you have talent and you have hard work and you have the will to win, then cool things happen. And, um, you know, this past weekend is, you know, I would classify that as a cool thing. Uh, yeah. You know, and then it, it takes the will to win, which again, it, it, you know, you can dive into the numbers. You can, you can look at all the measurables that you possibly, you know, that are out there and use all the tools and resources you have, but you cannot put a price on the will to win. And, um, you know, the, you know, our group, you know, our guys this past weekend, they, they displayed it and couldn't be prouder of them. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, let's transition over, Kevin. I think uh, you've got the uh, you've got this week's Ask Coach Woody question. I think the chess right, question. Uh, this week's Ask Coach Woody uh, is uh, comes from Joe Bridgman. Joe's question was inspired by a play in the bottom of the fourth in Game One on Saturday with runners on first and third. Pike was on third. Dragons on first, and no outs. Keith and attempted a bunt that didn't go his way, popped up to first base. Obviously, Mac would have would like to have had that one back, but beyond that, how does the decision-making process work in the dugout when you decide to make a move like that? Um that's a great question. Um, you know, you you, you evaluate, you know, can can the player do what you ask him to do, right? Like, like um, which uh, McKeithen came actually came up to me. He goes, I didn't even say anything to him. I, he just, there was a pitching change, um, right before that. And he came up to me and he said, he goes, I can get it done. And I, and cause I, I'm assuming, you know, Max smart, he probably knew I was coming up to him to ask him, you know, what his thoughts were. He goes, I can get it done. Um, as far as getting the, the bond or the safety squeeze down, um, obviously didn't happen. Um, but that's kind of like the first question is like, are we going to ask a player to do something that we feel like he's capable of doing and confident doing? Because I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a believer like you, you know, you can, you know, you can be in a bunt situation all you want to be and you can be in a safety squeeze situation all you want to be. But you know, if the player, if the player, I mean, we practice it all the time. We practice these things all the time, but some players, you know, are just better than others at, at, at bunting and, or whatever the skill set may be. So we want to just make sure that when, you know, when, when we, you know, when we ask a player to do something that he's capable of doing it, and then we look at it like, okay, is the pitcher on the mound? Is it, is it, is it somebody that we feel comfortable? Because if the guy is, if they had a pitcher, Brock Helverson, 
who pitched twice for them on the weekend. He's 93 and 95. Everything's moving. Everything's firm. It's not a real high command guy. He'll make some big mistakes, you know, in and out of the zone. Um, just not a fun at bat. Like, like Brock Helverson's going to be way tougher to bunt on than, um, again, it's no disrespect to the, you know, Cooley on Friday, but he's just, he's just going to be an easier guy to bunt off of than Brock Helverson. So, you know, can your player do it? Um, do you feel, you know, do we feel confident in asking our players to do something that, you know, we believe they can do? Um, you know, what are the, what does the situation call for? Um, you know, and then what does the opponent, you know, what is the opponent bringing to the table as far as allowing us to do what we want to do? And then you just kind of, you know, you kind of, you know, blend those things together. Um, and I think that situation, what it was first and third and, and nobody out, um, you know, so we felt like, you know, we felt like the, the if, if we didn't get it done, um, I'm, I'm trying to think, thinking back to that exact situation. Um, you know, the other thing too is Matt, you know, Max, um, Max a really fast runner. We all know that, um, you know, but, but, you know, with him catching as many games as he catches, uh, you know, he is a bit of a double play candidate. And so we were like, you know, if, if the worst case scenario happens, which it kind of did, he popped out. Um, we looked at it like, well, um, I need to go back and, I don't remember who came up after him in that game. Um, this was game one, right? Was this game one? That was, uh, that was actually, I think that was game two. Game two. Um, while, while you're looking for that for a second, I, I'm, I'll tell you the backstory. I'm laughing at what you're commenting about, about Mac. Uh, Cause he's oh, Cunningham, he Cunningham came he, up and, and, and drove and drove him in after. Yeah, he Mac is such a warrior, but you made the comment about uh about his foot speed. Um at the at the game at Knight Stadium, uh a friend of ours, uh well, you know, you know Randy Peterson. Uh Randy <laughs> there was there was a situation during the game, Randy was sitting behind me and and uh we were we were discussing what was going to happen or something, and I said, Well, you know, you gotta consider Mac's foot speed here. I think Mac was out at second base or something like that. And it was like, well, what would happen if this happened? I said, Well, you gotta think about Mac's foot speed. And Randy said, Is 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 he not very fast? And I said, Well, Randy, I said, he's faster than two 40 something year old guys. <laughs> Meaning me and you. <laughs> yeah. I said, but you know, when you think about catchers, you know. They're not usually sprinters anyway, so it's okay, Mac. We're we're Max, it's all good fun. Max, Max fast. Everybody knows Max fast. I think I get him at like a three nine seven down the line. Uh, <laughs> but no, you know it was like um, I don't know. We felt like we felt like um, we we felt really confident Mac could get it down, and it just didn't happen. Uh, you know, if Mac had came up to me and said, "Coach, let me hit," probably let him hit right there. Um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of a combination of, you know, you know, and, and, and generally first and third, first and third, less than two outs. It's usually a good opportunity to, to safety squeeze or put a bunt down, um, you know, because, um, you know, if they do flip it out and you get the out at home, then it's an out and you still have first and second one out. If it's, you know, there's still, it's kind of the trade off of the run versus if it doesn't work out, it's still, you know, versus, you know, the double play if there's one out, there's, there's a whole kind of thing, like risk first reward thing. And the, the, 
the reward of the run is usually worth it in those situations. Um, if the, if the player can do it and Matt can get bunts down, he's, he's a good bunter. Just yeah. yeah. So how uh, I'm just uh, to follow up on that, just out of my own curiosity. So as you guys are in the dugout, I mean, in real time, you had a little more time on that one because there was there was a pitching change. But in real time, you don't have very very long to make that decision. Um, absent the pitching change, so I mean, how how what's the how does that go? You know, Bo Rob's out at third base. You're right there in the dugout. Coach Bix usually close by. I mean, is this this sort of stream of consciousness discussion between uh, you and Bick and what y'all are thinking? And you know, how does that how does that percolate? We have a lot of pregame conversations and, you know, I mean, our coaching staff, we're here, we talk all the time. So we're always talking. Yeah. About, yeah. If this happens, well, you know, I mean, B-Rob, you know, uh, I mean, I feel like at this point, I feel like kind of an extension of his thoughts because he's shared so many thoughts about, you know, Hey, when this guy, you know, this guy's doing this and doing that, like, you know, I liked, you know, we like he, he can do this well and we can do this. And so it's kind of like, you know, it's really like a lot of collaboration. Like I said, there are some some nonverbals that B Rob can can give me from the third base um, third base box. Um, you know, if I don't see it, Coach Bick will see it. Um, you know, Coach Bick he he coordinates a lot of our base running, so he's got great feel um, in terms of um, sending guys, putting guys in motions, being creative on some things that you know maybe I might not think of. Um, he'll kind of plant some seeds. Um, but we're, he and I are, you know, coach Bick and I in the moment we're, we're talking like, Hey, you know, even little things like a hitter's walking up to the box and we're saying, all right, you know, are we going, you know, are we doing it now? And he'll say, you know, no, it's a, if it's a one or if it's one, one, or if we get to, if we get to, if we get to one, one or the third pitch or, you know, because not like sometimes we might be trying to guess off speed or, um, you know, or, or maybe we can, you know, we'll, we'll get a, we'll think that a pitcher is going to, you know, he'll start the bat concerned about the runner, but then, you know, pitch two or pitch three, he'll get immersed in the hitter and lose, you know, lose track of the, the runner a bit. So just kind of stuff like that. Like, you know, coach Bick and I will kind of, we'll kind of talk about, um, but our coaching staff, I mean, you know, I, this is, you know, was volunteer at UNC and, and, and then I was the pitching coach at Wilmington, pitching coach at Virginia Tech, pitching coach at UNC. So, you know, this is like fourth or fifth coaching staff. You know, really, I feel like I've been on. I feel like there's as much or more dialogue about situational decision making on our coaching staff than any staff I've been a part of. You know, we're always and we don't always agree. You know, that's the that's that's the cool thing is like we all, you know, we don't always agree on the front end, but whatever shakes out on the back end, we've had so much discussion on the front end that you know we're we're good with it. Um, and we, and we respect, uh, and we respect it. Um, but you know, we're, we're, we're all, we all think very similar, similarly in terms of, you know, the, the, the blend of, you know, getting out of the way, letting our players play versus like, all right, let's, let's nudge, let's nudge a little bit here with a hit and run. Let's nudge here a little bit with a green light, putting guys in motion. Let's nudge a little that's kind of more of what I feel like we, we, we do as coaches, you know, in terms of offensively, it's not, it's, it's all our players, you know, we just kind of nudge guys um, in certain directions um, offensively. Okay, cool. Well, there, there you go, Joe, there's everything you wanted to know about that play and strategy and more. 
everything and more. Let's shift gears here. Let's let's start looking towards this weekend. It's it's Monday, but it's already time to look forward to, to next weekend. So we're going to go to our Charlotte 49ers Grand Slam Club, look at the week ahead. You guys are traveling to FIU this weekend. Uh, take on the Panthers. FIU comes in at uh, at 12 and 14, 4 and 4 in the league. Uh, they lost 3 of 4 to Old Dominion. Uh, they just last weekend won 3 of 4 over Western Kentucky, just like we did. Uh, they've got a game coming up uh, on Wednesday at Miami. That should be interesting uh, and, and easy, too, right? Uh, they split four games with Coastal, 1-2 versus Wichita State. So um, FIU is clearly a team that can get it done. Maybe they've struggled a little bit with their consistency. But, um, Coach, what are, you, what, are you, what are you looking at with FIU? Yeah, no, I mean, they have prospects all over the field, and they have prospects on the mound. And, um, you know, they've got, they've got some – legit frontline arms and they've got two guys at the back end of the bullpen that are like 94 97 so you know i mean it's it's going to be a tough battle um it's a tough battle i mean they've i think they had a you know 20 number 24 recruiting class in the country uh this past year so they have top 25 recruiting class of of new talent um you know and and, and so it's it's going to be tough i mean um you know, Coach Melendez and uh, his coaching staff—they've—they've they've recruited at a high level um, for a number of years. FIU is a tough place to go down there and go down there and win. So it'll be a—it'll uh, be a tough challenge for us. Coach, looking at their roster as a—it uh, kind of makes me feel old. But as a Yankees fan, I see that uh, they have Joe Girardi's son on the team on the roster. I think uh, Raul Abanez's son is on the roster, and if I'm not mistaken. El Duque's son is on the roster. Kind of makes me feel old, but uh, uh, yes, those are some uh, some uh, popular names as as far as Yankees fans go. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, they've they've got um, yeah, they've got prospects all over the field. They've got big league names all over the field. Um, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a good team. It's a really good club. It feels like you mentioned their recruiting class. Um, it, it feels like every year we're talking about, and, and for those that follow baseball recruiting and recruiting rankings, again, it's just it's subjective, but it, it seems like about every year FIU's recruiting class is, is always just covered in accolades, um, usually ranked somewhere in the top 20, top 25, sometimes in the top 10. Uh, they recruit at a really, really high level down there. Mm. Now they do, and, and – you know, in the in the short bit of film we watched here today, um, just talking as a staff, and you know, it's you know they're capable of they're capable of you know being pretty explosive offensively and on the mound. You know, so you know we're gonna we're gonna work our tails off this week to be ready, go down there and compete. And for for anybody that's interested, we've earlier in the broadcast we said that numbers don't tell the story, so we've already already set this up, but. Uh, if you take a look at it, FIU's coming in tenth in, in ERA in the league, while we're uh, we're coming in at fifth. They're coming in at sixth in batting average. We're coming in at second. Uh, fielding percentage, they're coming in at twelfth, while we're we're leading the league. So, um, statistically, it, it would seem that we match up pretty well with them. But then again, you got to go play the games, right? Uh, and it's at their place too. Um, so that's you know, there's a lot to be said for that uh, playing. Uh, playing in your home environment. Yeah, I mean, having that last at bat, as we showed this past weekend, it is, uh, it's important. 
Yeah. yeah so you guys, uh, you guys head out on, on Thursday, uh, get down there and then we've got those, those four games coming up. So, um, I don't even know, Kevin, uh, if they've posted. I haven't. I'll be honest. I haven't looked. I don't know if, if those are going to be on Conference USA TV. We'll be able to get video on them or not. But whether we get video or not, we'll definitely get Sean Sean's audio on the broadcast. So we'll be we'll be following along and wait and see what happens. If uh, if you take a look at the league as a whole, we always try to give you guys a little short update on where we are as a league. Um, seventh in RPI which, you know, some people might say it's still a little early for that, but I, I disagree. It's if you're not going to look at it now, when are you going to look at it? Um, the Niners are coming in, and it is a weird year for RPI. We've mentioned that before. But the Niners are coming in with a 27 RPI, which for those of you that, that follow this stuff and those of you that have been around back in the, back in the old basketball days, back in, in the late 90s, those are some pretty serious RPI numbers um, and a real testament to not only what this team has done, but the strength of schedule that we've played. Um, the league as a whole is just peppered with, with teams that are showing up uh, really well in, in the RPI. Louisiana Tech is nine, Southern Miss 22, Old Dominion's one spot in front of us at, at 26, we're at 27. FIU, who we play this weekend, is at 77. So this is a top 100 opponent on the road. Uh, Florida Atlantic is, is 88 that we just finished with. And, and they're going to go on and win a lot more ballgames the rest of the season as well. Yep. So the league as a whole um, has is really showing out this year. Um, it, it, it's a testament to the challenge we've got in front of us. Yeah, I mean, you know, one, one silver lining of all this is I'm obviously a newer coach to Conference USA, um, but I've gotten you know, since COVID hit um, last spring uh, and, and all the Zoom started. I've actually we've had around like last last May we started having almost weekly Conference USA and Conference USA um, administrators, uh, baseball administrators uh, Zooms. So I've gotten to know the Conference USA. Uh, coaches um, probably better than I would have if COVID hadn't hit. Um, you know, being a newer coach of the league, and I'll just tell you, I mean, we've got unbelievable coaches in in this conference. Um, you know, I mentioned with Coach McCormick earlier. I mentioned, you know, previous podcast and you know, Coach Barry at Southern Miss and Coach Burroughs at Lane, Louisiana Tech. But you know, you go around the league, Coach Melendez at at, at FIU, and um, you know, Coach Fenwood at at, at Old Dominion. Um, you know, there's just some really great coaches and that's going to breed, you know, strong recruiting. That's going to breed strong player development. That's going to breed, uh, you know, fiery competition within the league and against non-conference opponents. So I've just been extremely impressed with, with, you know, the caliber coaches that I've, I've gotten to know in the course of the last 12 months um, you know, through this virtual lens of, you know, zooms and meetings and stuff like that. Um, you know, so it's, you know, it's, it's not surprising to me that Conference USA is as strong as it is just based off of the, the coaches that I've gotten to know, you know, virtually the last 12 months. And what's fun for the, the fans, and, and I'll, I'll just throw this out there is, is, is we can watch this. 
Uh, Old Dominion comes in seven and one. And, and of course the conference USA is in this East West uh, division format this year for, for uh, travel and, and COVID reasons, basically Old Dominion seven and one, we're seven and one. No one else is better than 500 at four and four. Okay. So Niner fans, it's been a while since we've done the whole checking the standings every day thing, but that's where we're at. Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe coach Woody won't say this. Heck I may be the only one to say this, but, we're in a division race. Just go ahead. Get used to the idea. We're in a division race right now, whether you realize it or not. And it's on. Okay. <laughs> so here's a deal. What I need you to pay attention to. We're taking on FIU this weekend, big four games. Guess where old dominion's going. They're going down to FAU. They're going down to an FAU team. That's not only they can hit. And now they're probably a little pissed off. I mean, wouldn't you be? So the standings this weekend, pay attention to them. Scoreboard watch a little bit. We got, I mean, really, you had FAU was picked by a lot of people to be really good and, and maybe even win, our, win our, our division. They're sitting there at four and four. The four, the second four is courtesy of us. Old Dominion, who we play eight times, <laughs> is seven and one. Um, and they're going to FAU. So this is kind of – it's kind of snuck up on us in a, in a hurry here, but every weekend's a big weekend, but this is huge. What we're Not only what we're doing, but what O-Dominion and FAU are doing, we got to pay attention to that. So there's my campaign for scoreboard watching. No, it's, I mean, it's exciting. It's a credit to our guys. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're week eight. You know, we're week eight of what we think could be a 16, 17, hopefully 18 week long season, you know, um, 15 week regular season, regular week, regular season, um, you know, and uh, but we've only, you know, we're, we're two, we, we've completed two of, of eight conference series and so long ways to go. Um, I'm really only thinking about Friday. I know that's coach talk and um, that sort of thing, but really only thinking about Friday and, and, um, you know, game planning, um, our pitch plan for the four game series or the, um, you know, what is it? The, um, 32 innings of baseball that we're going to play. I mean, you know, you game plan, you game plan for those 32 innings, the best, as best you can. And really whatever happens outside of that little, that, that lane, it happens. But, um, you know, these are the, these are the, you know, this is why we're here. This is, this is where we want to be um, as a program um, at this phase of the season. We have a long ways to go, but, uh, you know, we, we, this is, this is, these are the discussions we want to be having. This is where we want to be. Yeah, it's, it's going to be. And, and yeah, you're right. And folks, he's not kidding. When and that's not coach speak, because when we first got on the call, um, we were all we're all chattering about this past weekend and FAU and what a great weekend and all that stuff. First thing out of Woody's mouth is, "Yeah, I'm our, I'm on to FIU. I'm just we've been talking about FIU all day. We've been watching FIU film all day. We, we're on FIU." <laughs> it's, it's like we're 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 still wanting to you know we're still wanting to take a victory lap, but that's what we do. <laughs> and, Coach, uh, Coach Mining, Coach Robinson, Coach Bicknell, they're they're further out in front. And Coach Simmons and I, we're you know we're talking luggage and buses and making sure guys have photo IDs and you know all those all those types of things. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's all a windshield, no rear view mirror. And we said we we said it when things were going well the first two weeks, and we said it when you know we were taking haymakers weeks three and four and growing. Um, you know, one one thing that that you want to be able to say is every single one of our goals is still in front of us. You know, and um, week eight, we're saying the same thing. So that's the goal is, is, you know, you don't, you don't, no door, no doors have closed on us yet. Everything's in front of us. Just keep going. That's right. It's right there, right there in front of you. Um, another thing us fans like to talk about are the projections and all that, but I did see Kendall Rogers mentioned that Conference USA, we talked about the strength of Conference USA this year. He talked about uh, potentially four teams from the conference going to the NCAAs. And uh, our favorite team was one of them he mentioned. But close your ears, Woody. Just something that fans just talk about. Yeah. Kendall, who, who's Kendall? Kendall who? <laughs> uh, he's, he's the guy that hates everybody's team. Oh, I'm just kidding. No, Kendall and Aaron, they're, uh, <laughs> they're unbelievable. I mean, our, they're unbelievable at what they do for our game. And uh, I've known, have known them for a long time. And, and um, they seem to be very – supportive of everything we're doing here at Charlotte and, um, you know, and so, yeah, no, that's great. That's great that he, you know, I guess, I guess acknowledged us today and, um, you know, but like I said, the, you know, there's the, the goals and aspirations for us are they're in front of us. You know, they're not behind us. Yeah. All right. We're going to start wrapping this thing up and, and, and getting, uh, getting out of here for another week. feels weird being here on a Monday night, but it's kind of cool too, because everything's fresher in our minds. It just happened. So it's kind of a cool, cool aspect to it. Um, coach Woody, you guys have got a big week of preparation in front of you. Uh, and then, uh, I guess one of only two flights this year, uh, down to, uh, down to South Florida to take care of business against FIU, your final thoughts. Um, Kind of put me on the spot, I guess. Um, you know, my final my final thoughts were. I mean, that's I what, what we I, do here. I meant what I said earlier. I mean, between Saturday with the two walk offs and and the resiliency, you know, um, the resiliency on Friday and you know the entire Sunday, the entire weekend. Um, it's just about about as much fun as I've ever had coaching. Um, you know, and and uh, it's just a fun group. It's a it's a special group of guys. They've They've got the will to win. They have talent. They have work ethic. They have preparation. They have great character. Um, you know, we've got great leadership. Uh, so it's just a lot of fun. You know, it's a, it's every day of practice is fun. Um, you know, every day in the dugout at games, it's fun. Even when things don't go well, you know, it's, it's, it, it is, uh, it, it's, 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 it's a fun group, you know, and, uh, just really enjoying. I know our whole coaching staff's really enjoying it. Um, you know, I want to acknowledge. I, I think our, you know, two of our COVID seniors, Carson Johnson and Todd Elwood. I mean, they were 15 for 23 on the weekend offensively. I mean, that is like, um, you know, you want to talk. You want to talk about having. You know, making an impact. Um, you know, I just um, and and everything our our COVID seniors have been through. Um, you know, I just saw there's always going to be a, I think a special place in all of our hearts for, for those guys and, and what I think this last, this last go around means for them. So I was just, couldn't be, you know, 
more excited for for those two, and um, and I'm excited. I'm excited to get on the get on playing with this group and go down to some some warm weather. We're all you know we're all hydrating uh, this entire week, you know, preparation for the heat. And but I told our team, I told our team today, um, you know, it's hot in June, and that's when we want to play. So yeah. get used to it. Yeah. Um, one thing I, we, we didn't bring up, uh, and I just got reminded of it, and it was a great point. Um, before we get together uh, again, you will probably have played next week's midweek game um, after the FIU series. I know you don't like to look beyond the FIU series, but we probably won't talk to you here again. Um, it, it seems like maybe it's somewhere, you know, where it is. I, I, you know, like maybe the bus driver might need directions from you and you could tell them where the ball field is. I think I can help. So, um, you know, just, just briefly, you know, for those of you who are like, what in the heck is he talking about? The, the midweek after the FIU series, which we always drive coach crazy, asking him about the midweek after the series you're going to play, but uh, be a homecoming uh, going up to Chapel Hill for a game. Um, Without losing focus on FIU, would you like to offer a brief comment <laughs> on heading back to Chapel Hill for a game? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a special place. It's a special place to me and my family. It's where my, my parents went to school. Um, my parents met when they were in college and where they were married when, when they were in college at UNC. And so naturally, you know, when, when, when I came into existence, I was – a pretty big fan growing up and <clears throat> went to, went to baseball camp started going to baseball camps there. Uh, gosh, probably 1998, 1997, Um, when I graduated high school in 2003. Um, so I started going to camps there in 98. Mike Fox was his, was his first year as the head coach there, um, at UNC. And Scott Forbes, who's now the head coach there, is one of my best friends. He was a 23-year-old volunteer assistant making about $2,000 a year. Um, and I'm this little eighth grader going to going to baseball camp there. And, you know, it's just as I got older, it's just um, I looked at other schools. It's just where I always wanted to go. And, um, you know, again, heavily influenced by my parents and my upbringing and you know, just as like, I think, I think most people that have parents that go to the, you know, go to Charlotte or go to any school, you know, you're going to grow up with natural loyalty there. Um, but, you know, for me, it, it's, it's unique from the standpoint that, um, you know, I think that was, I look back now, that was, you know, 23 years ago that I started going to baseball camp there and, you know, fast forward 23 years, uh, you know, I have, four years playing there and five years coaching, uh, five to six years coaching. Um, you know, so there's just a lot of memories there. I've seen, I've seen that, that program grow. I've seen, you know, an old stadium turn into a new stadium. Um, you know, when we got there, when we got there to UNC that, you know, they hadn't, you know, UNC, I mean, a lot of people forget UNC hadn't been to the college world series in like 13 or 14 years or no, sorry, like 15 years, um, you know, until some guy named Andrew Miller pretty much and Chad Flack just pretty much forced the issue, um, you know, but it was, um, 
you know, I've just seen, just seeing that program really grow and just to, to feel like it's somewhere along the way that, um, you know, myself and the group of, you know, the guys and coaches along the way that have, you know, put a lot of time and effort into that. Um, you know, it just, it means a lot. You know, that place, that place means a lot. Just like when you put a lot of time, effort, energy into anything or anywhere, you know, you're, you know, you're going to have investment just, um, very similar, honestly, very similar to what we have here now at Charlotte as, as a coaching staff and, and program and players. It's just, it's got that same feel and that same vibe is that, you know, you just, you got, you got passion for something and it means a lot, then, you know, that's a good thing. So a little long way there, but, uh, you well, know, but now I'll just add that now you're going to, you're going to move heaven and earth to try and go beat them. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> now now that you're through complimenting them <laughs> and waxing waxing nostalgic here, uh, you, Forbes, you know Forbes is my best. You know, he's one of my best friends. You know, um, the, the the plan is to get to get married one day, and and he will certainly be in the wedding. Um, and you know he's, um, um, but it's like a backyard brawl. I mean, it's like, it's like, I mean, imagine growing up and playing backyard one-on-one basketball against your best friend who, you know, at the end of it, you're probably going to get in a fight with like, that's me and Forbes. Like me, me and like, like it, it's, it's on when we compete. I mean, it's on, you know, and, and it won't be the first time that I've been in an opposing dugout. I mean, I was at Wilmington, I was at Virginia tech and, um, you know, again, it, it's a, it is a, it is a friendly backyard kind of brawl um, for bragging rights. And, and, you know, we love, we, you know, Forbes and I, we love to compete. So uh, when the game starts, you know, it's on. Yeah. That's going to, that's going to be fun, but we'll, like we said, FIU, FIU, and then we'll, we'll worry about that later. Right. FIU. All right. Okay, folks, that's going to do it for us. It's time, as Woody said, to go jump on FIU. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. Feel free to reach out through any of our social media platforms. If you're more old-fashioned like us, just say hi when you run into us at the ballpark. All right, folks, we're out. Until next time, we'll see you at the Haze. Good night.